read in Jesus' name.
in a year, but underestimate what you can achieve in five. What I've also found in ministry is our expectations of God, what God will do, we often under expect. God in Jesus has come himself to lead his people, Israel as Messiah, and to make himself known to the Gentiles as Redeemer. So here we have them coming upon Simeon. Simeon's who, Simeon whose name means God has heard. And here we see exactly what has happened. We see that someone not only has begun the right way, but has persevered in their calling. A theme that if you look through all of scripture, right from the journey of the Israelites um, in the Exodus, right the way through to the book of Revelation, and it's four viewable is to come. Perseverance is important. Perseverance is at the heart of our faith and indeed of our calling. But before we get to that, we see that Mary and Joseph have arrived at the temple. And it's as they come as worshippers that God meets them. But the interesting thing for me is God meets them in the worshippers who are there in the temple. Whenever you're ordained, if that's where God leads you to, you don't become a professional Christian. You haven't moved into another league. Sadly, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God still fully applies. <laughs> And the reality for us is that we minister alongside those who are there. Yes, we're called to lead them, but we're called to lead as servant leaders. That doesn't mean that it may not include admonishing them at times, but always be careful how you admonish. I think always careful in theological institutes because there can be people who are more intelligent than you sitting in front of you. But I think it was Alexander Solzhenitsyn who said that the line between good and evil doesn't exist between me and you, but rather runs down the centre of a man's heart. It's always good when Paddy comes, he nods. Okay, so, um, but that's the reality of ministry. It's not that you're in the professional league and, well, you're going to coach school time rugby or football or whatever the sport is. We minister alongside. And so when we see Mary and Joseph coming with the child Jesus to the temple, what we see at that point is that God uses these worshippers. He uses those who have persevered in their faith through many years, is the sense. And in that fellowship reveals to them his heart and indeed his expectation for them in the role that they will have as Jesus' parents. So as we consider this passage, we begin with the sense of holding on to what does fellowship mean to us. But of course fellowship will only exist out in the parish. Fellowship exists here. I know that sometimes theological, uh, as a college of my time at the Institute, can seem perhaps like a bit of a hothouse. It can seem like uh, a time where difference uh, is exaggerated, but it's an opportunity to strive with one another, and in those differences to come to understand them and to articulate them. 
not only to live with them in compassion, but also to sharpen one another's understanding of why decisions perhaps are held. Remember, fellowship here is also about ministry each to the other. It's not solely about what will come in the future. So we then hear that Simeon was someone who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Again, I did do three years of grief, but it is a very long time ago. But the consolation of Israel is the same word, harkalio, that is used of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the one who is called alongside. And again, not only in your ministry as ordained people, but in your ministry now, as ordinance in your time now, we hope and pray in each moment of our discipleship that God is alongside us. And so Jesus coming, Simeon, it was waiting for God to come alongside his people. And that is what he has done in Jesus. It's a model and it's an image of our own calling and leadership. But again, we see that it's better than we could have hoped. And that's a phrase that you should hold in your ministry. It's not that your ministry, both now and in the future, will always be easy, and oftentimes it may seem very difficult. Sometimes, indeed, you may ask of God why it appears so difficult and could it not be a bit easier. I've definitely prayed that on a number of occasions. But the challenge is that we know that actually God is preparing for us, in us, and through us something that is beyond our expectations. So as we think then of what Simeon and Adam both were expecting, we see that it wasn't a Deborah or a Samson who would come. It wasn't going to be a judge deliverer in that sense, but it would be a deliverer. It would be a judge deliverer indeed. And we hear that pointed towards in, in the Old Testament, but we see that it is even more, not only for Israel, but for everyone. That that redemption would be a giving to all of the world its true value. Oftentimes in ministry, I find that, that I spend more time assuring people of God's love for them rather than having to convince them of their own sinfulness. In your journey at this particular point, you may identify with Simeon and Anna from the point of waiting. We used to say that as you progress through um, college here that you move kind of from the ground floor to the middle floor and then the final year you're in the top floor. Mars is smiling, probably remembers this, but you can see over the wall freedom was coming in other words. <laughs> <laughs> but there is also a sense of you feel called. You feel called to ministry, to ordination, and it hasn't ha it hasn't yet happened. So there's a sense of expectation of wanting to be there. And I think that's right. But remember the journey. In ministry, um, who knows what the, it, your deployment will ultimately look like. But being here in the midst of fellowship should shape what your fellowship will look like, particularly perhaps when you're leading in that fellowship in your own parishes someday. You're not called to be a one woman or a one man band to do it all. Uh, Alec Matier, who was 
an old time, uh, an old time, you know, an old testament lecture, um, maybe old time as well. He's a colleague, was principal of Bristol Theological College once. Uh, Alec was one of the kindest men you would ever meet, but he just had this kind of face that made you want to kind of sort of turn the other way if you, you saw him coming. But um, uh, when he was asked, um, should women be ordained, his response was, should men? And what he meant by that was, are we looking for the sense where we set someone who feels that they are one individual, whereas we're called to be a part of the whole church? Of course, within our polity, we have ordination, and that's a part of the shape of that. But the point that he was making was, it's not one individual. It's never going to be just down to you, no matter how many people you have or don't have within your congregation. It remains down to God as his people. So Simeon proclaimed to Israel that her rescuer had finally come. God has heard, as his name tells us. But such was the scope and scale of God's love that Jesus had come as a light of revelation to the Gentiles, a phrase we get from the, the, the Nunc Dimittis. And of course, that's a phrase that we give today. It's other purposes, Candlemas, where in the past it would have been the feast at which people would have brought their candles to be blessed for the year that would bring light into their home. I'm not sure really what the modern equivalent of the candlemas should be. I mean, you bring your light bulbs, you know, LED, of course, or other um, green equivalents. But the idea was this. Imagine that every time you turn on the light source in your home, be it the lamp beside your bed first thing in the morning, or be it the, the, the light that you turn on at night, that you are bringing a sense of remembrance that God is alongside. In some ways, it's an image of our ministry that we remind people by us physically being alongside that God is alongside. And we remember ourselves that we require God to be alongside us if we are to be of any help. But of course, in Simeon and Anna, I also see the blessing of old age. And the blessing of old age in this, a blessing in old age where faithfulness has stayed. Perseverance has been a part of their lives. There's a prayer attributed by Drake. I don't think he actually wrote it, but it's based on one of his letters that he wrote to someone. It may be familiar to you. Let me read it. Well, Lord, when thou givest thy servants to endeavor any great matter, grant us also to know that it is not the beginning, but the continuing of the same until it be thoroughly finished, which yieldeth the true glory. Through him, that for the finishing of thy work laid down his life, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. St. Luke tells us that Anna worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And she comes up to Mary and Joseph and the child Jesus, and we're told that she spoke about the child who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Myself, I see Anna almost as a forerunner of Mary Magdalene. She brings a message to the people. She brings a message of hope, a message that says God has returned you to himself. And her name appropriately means grace. So today as we celebrate this feast, we recall God is compassionate. 
that he is faithful. He exceeds our hopes and that in Jesus has rescued us from the consequences of the brokenness and evil in the world around us. Isn't it true that as we begin to share from God's word, we equally hold the world and its news in our other hand? We want to help provide people with the tools. I was speaking to somebody today just as I was traveling and I said, you know, in a sermon, my hope isn't that I provide people with the answers. It's a bit more like giving them a set of Lego, but we're providing them with the answers to put the Lego together. You're not there to come as a professional. You've been trained for three years and you then have all the answers. I once spoke to somebody who was ordained, somebody I respect still, but who told me that when they were ordained, God enabled them to do everything. Wow. Didn't happen to me. Because <laughs> anybody else that thinks that, I'll speak to you later. But the reality is that we want to help equip people with the tools. Part of those tools are about perseverance, are about attentiveness to God's Holy Spirit, who is the Paracalio, the Comforter, who is alongside us. But if we never stop to pray, to pause, to read God's Word, then how can we listen to Him? So in this feast of the presentation, I want you to remember that God calls you to perseverance, but equips you by his spirit and his word to persevere. He puts you in the midst of a fellowship of people who sometimes you will find difficult to like or love, to challenge you of his love for you, and to remind you that you love not from the depths of your own provision, but from what he has given to you. Today then, as we come to a close and as we prepare to gather around Lord's, the Lord's table, we remind ourselves that he is the one who meets us where we are. We're using Form 1 uh, this evening, but in Form 2 we have the prayer that reminds us, Father of all, when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. We pray that. Father, we pray that by your spirit you would move in our hearts. We pray that we may hold fast to your word. We pray both for encouragement and for challenge, that we may be shaped, that we may become more like you, that we may recognize both our calling and indeed especially that you have called us your children. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.